Hello and welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast, otherwise known as the DTP, and I am your host here on the show. My name is Colton G, and thank you for tuning in to this episode with my guest, T. Nile. And of course, before we get there, we have to take a quick moment to go ahead and thank those of you who went and checked out episode 54 featuring R&B singer Sandra Boza. Looking at the stats, I saw that there was a couple subscriptions that were pulled in after that episode, so it, it looks like quite a few of you enjoyed that. I got some positive feedback on the episode. There was a lot of emotions being dealt with in that one, so a lot of people were very positive, said it was very inspiring to hear Sandra's story and her overcoming of her addiction, her recovery, everything that we discussed last week. If you guys missed that episode, you know where to find it. It's in our backlog, just as well as 53 other fantastic episodes featuring amazing guests for you guys to go ahead and check out. But of course, you probably want to do that after you're done listening to this one. I also want to go ahead and shout out those of you who shared last week's episode on your social media because I've said it before, I'll say it again, you guys actually don't know how much that helps the show grow and thank you so very much. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode is episode 55 and we are featuring my guest T. Nile here for this episode. T. Nile joined me to discuss her upcoming album that's going to be dropping in April of 2019 entitled Beach Fires, and the first single off of that album, which was entitled Note to Self. Funny thing about that, though, we ended up doing the uh, Desert Tiger thing, where that's actually the last thing that we discussed. We ended up talking about so much, how she ended up getting into music, her dad, who was a one-man band musician, and traveling around with him how her influences grew from there, starting out as a Roots artist and actually winning awards from the Canadian Folk Music Awards for Best New Artist and the Independent Music Awards for Best Roots Song at some point, but she began incorporating more electronic feels and sounds into her music as her travels around the world brought her new inspirations. But more importantly, today we're going to talk a lot about mental health and healing. We're going to talk about losing people that are close to you, loved ones, and how that can affect you as an artist and as a human being. Beach Fires is going to be T. Nile's first release since her 2014 album, Tingle and Sparkle. And T. herself wouldn't necessarily call the time between the albums a hiatus, but she would definitely say that it was a necessary growing process. And later on in this episode, both me and T are going to agree that the theme of today's episode probably is grinding your way through those tough moments and realizing just how much they create and build who you end up becoming. And of course, we're also going to touch on the therapeutic power of music and how it can help you deal with your emotions and feelings, not only as a musician, but as a listener. 
So of course, this is going to be another one of those deep episodes. We've started off 2019 pretty serious here on the DTP, but you won't catch us running away from it because sometimes you have to fight through the dark in order to see the light. And with that being said, I think it's time that we set the vibe for this conversation with T Nile's latest single, this being the first track off of her upcoming album, which is dropping in April of 2019, Beach Fires. This is entitled Note to Self.
Desert Tiger Podcast. We are here with T. Nile. How is it going on this beautiful day? It's good. I'm pretty glad I have a roof over my head right now. It's kind of pouring outside, and we've got a nice cozy fire. Ooh. And my Pendleton blanket, I'm feeling very chic, you know? Yes, yeah, very, very cozy from the sounds of things. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What? It's a good way to do an interview, I feel. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a typical... Uh, December day in BC, um, so it's it's not super cold, but yeah, tons of rain. We live in a rainforest. What do we expect down here anyway on the coast? Well, it's also uh, raining here in the central interior today, so I mean, <laughs> sort of the same thing, I guess you could say. So, you've been playing music for well over a decade now, so let's get into the beginnings things. Where does the love of music and the pursuit of music start for a young T-Nile? Well, I I guess I was sort of born into music with a family that was very much passionate about music. And it only, you know, with, with hindsight, as, as an adult looking back, I realized, you know, that's not everybody's childhood. But for me, it was just normal. Mm-hmm. Both my parents played multiple instruments and had a musical education as well. Uh, in their own ways. Uh, my dad was a musical instrument builder. My mom studied music um, actually at VCC in Vancouver in the 80s. And they were just really passionate about a lot of different kinds of of music. Um, in particular, when I was young, they liked a lot of Cajun music and Celtic reggae, you know, Dixieland, old-time, Dust Bowl folk, blues, kind of like a lot of the stuff that's called Roots now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both, they just would play music every night. And for me, that was just normal life. So I guess I got into it because it was around me all the time. There was always lots of instruments everywhere. And then a little later on, my dad started his one-man band where he, he actually built a proper... It was like a little music machine that uh, he played all his instruments um, in, and he would take it on the road. And I accompanied him a number of times, eventually sort of doing my own act, you know, next to him. But, yeah, that that's where it started. And then as I became more of an, uh, you know, an adult, went into my teens and into adulthood, I, I guess sort of I found my own passion for music. But it was informed by that, I guess. And at a certain point, I just, uh, I went to my, my first year of university and I, I studied humanities and I, at, by the end of it, I was just so, feeling so wrong, something felt so wrong. And I, I remember going to a guidance counselor and he helped me figure out that I just, what I really wanted to do was music. Mm-hmm. And so then I dove in and I have not really looked back, um, working on it. And um, it's really kind of, I think I remember someone telling me about this poem by Rilke that talked about how you have to ask yourself in the darkest time of your night, I'm paraphrasing here, um, would you die if you did not do that, this thing? But, and, and if you wouldn't die, then you probably shouldn't do it. And I don't think death is like a literal death, but it's like a, almost like a spirit death. Mm-hmm. And I think at a certain point, I realized, you know, I, I, I do this because I have to. It's It's kind of what keeps me sane or something so yeah that for me that's what music and writing and creating is it's just my life blood in a way and um, I do it 
no matter what. Um, but it's pretty cool to also be doing it as a profession as well. Definitely. To be able to enjoy the experience of sharing your experiences in music with other people is a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, no, it's great. It's it's great. And that's the other part of it is that for me, I, I, um, I really love that moment. So it's not just about the music. I'm glad you said that because it's also about the communication that's possible on a completely different level when you're conveying something musically. It's, it's you know, I think, is it Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan? I mean, this has been said many times, but he was one of my favorites back in the day when I really got into Indian music. I think he's Pakistani. Um, but he said, you know, music is a universal language, and it really is. I mean, you you know, you can listen to music with any language or even instrumental music, and there's still a communication happening. And I think that uh, whether you realize it or not, music is always in some way therapeutic because it speaks to a part of us that's so ancient and so deep that language and even the different forms of communication that we have wouldn't necessarily reach you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just fascinated by that. And it's just, it's both a passion, but also for myself, having had, you know, everybody grows up with various different forms of trauma, you know, um, everyone's got their own stories from their past. And for me, like writing and music has been a way for me to understand things that and, and make sense of and kind of uh, of things that have happened in my life and that continue to. It's yeah, it's almost like taking you know the the cliche of of you know turning coal into diamonds or lemonade out of lemons. I think sometimes music allows you to kind of do that with the hardships in life. And maybe Kurt Cobain would agree. Well, I can definitely agree with that sentiment as well because sometimes and it's. Not even if you, the artist, because like when you're expressing that emotion, you have a certain feeling that you're trying to get out or express. But the listener, whether or not that is what they get out of it, they're still going to get out something that maybe can help them through whatever it is they're going through. 100%. That's the magic of it. That is the true magic. It's what you just said, is that it's so much more than what the artist ever intended. It's it's also the interaction with whoever's experiencing it. That's to me. That's just the mind-boggling thing with all forms of art. You know that it's as much what the the person who created it, who's often, you know, I believe that, and and I'm not I'm not saying this from like like in a in a religious sense because I'm not religious, but I do believe that as an artist, you're channeling something and it's not even really coming from you i think we all dip into this creative source somehow and i mean you hear it all the time but that's been my experience anytime i'm creating on some levels is like a creative field of energy that you kind of just like allow to pass through you and then you just kind of your job is to capture and to kind of catch it before it escapes and sort of hone it and stuff yeah so that's it's really cool what so are you a musician yourself Yes, I've unfortunately had to take some time off as since like I moved, I injured myself before I moved and I was forced to, I broke my wrist, so. Oh no, that's, that's big. Yeah, you gotta let that heal. Are you doing any kind of physio? Make sure you do. (laughs) Um, yes, I I saved from experience. (laughs) Yeah, you need, you need to. I mean, if you don't, you know, it, it heals all messed up. That's, I'm glad you're doing that. But so what, what, what's your main creative outlet? I mean, obviously you're doing podcasts, which is creative. Right now, it's just definitely like with 
the podcasting is one of my main creative outlets and this allows me to express in a different form i am starting to play music again and i am hoping to get in the writing um shape very very soon once again so that i can add that to everything and it's just i'm just trying to stay as um busy as i can possibly can (laughs) yeah well doing a podcast is a lot of work and kudos to you and I'm glad to be here chatting with you. It's a pretty neat... Uh, I love podcasts myself. I, I love podcasts. I listen to a bunch of different ones, and I go in and out of it, but it, to me it's such a neat form, and it's kind of yeah. one of my dreams I'd like to do, but I my ambition far exceeds my ability to accomplish. I always have probably 75% of the things that I'd like to do are just more... I'd need five of me to do everything. I'm sure a lot of people relate to that, but <laughs> I, it's on like a, a long list of things that I'd like to do is do a podcast. It's pretty cool. Have you heard Alanis Morissette's podcast? I, I have pretty fascinating. not heard Alanis Morissette's podcast, but I need to look this up like immediately. Yeah. It's quite interesting. It made me kind of feel a little bit crazy after listening to maybe two episodes. But she's fascinating. She's a fascinating person, and she's so much. You can kind of hear when she's talking, you're like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. This, I can totally see this person writing those songs. But she's also done a lot of growing, you know, because she became famous quite young, and I think mm-hmm. it was pretty hard on her. And so she's had to grow a lot. It's, it's a really good. She tells a lot of good stories, and she's kind of pretty wise, but she's also hyper-analytical I'm also very analytical, so maybe it's just seeing my own reflection and going, oh, that's a bit much. <laughs> but yeah, she, she's great. I, I recommend it to people. It's one of the interesting podcasts out there. I don't know if she's still doing it, but she was doing podcasts. And yeah, well, they're up. Even if, they're, even if she's not doing it, I'll have to check out the back catalog. And, yeah. Because that just sounds like an amazing listen for sure. And that's just it. For me, Like I when I broke my wrist, I think it was two to three months in and I was going crazy because I had no creative output at the time. And that was just it. It's like, how can I continue to support the art scene Yeah, and still be creative? And then I too was just like a huge fan of podcasts, the history of new music and like CBC's Q and like all these different programs. And I was like, well, why can't I be doing that as well? Good for you. That is so good. I wish more people thought like that. It's a great, it's like we all can participate. And we live in a world right now, that is one of the blessings of the the way that things are right now. Even though there's many challenges in in the new kind of whatever you want to call it, the -hmm. world that we live in right now. But that is one of the blessings is how many platforms there are. If you have an idea Mm -hmm. and you want to share it, you can. And it doesn't take a ton of money. It just takes a little bit of, you know, you can, and you can also find out how to do it through mm-hmm. the, the same channels because there's a tutorial for almost everything, including probably how to breathe. <laughs> well, definitely how to breathe. That, that meant, to, this meant to be a joke, but then I realized, of course, there's all these yoga kind of things. But yeah, no, there's, there's, a, there's a how-to for everything. So oh, you could build your own house. It's it as if you have the motivation and intention, you can really pursue anything at this point in time and so that's it is you can go onto youtube and you can look up how to do pretty much anything like editing videos or even audio or all these different things where even 20 years ago you had to dish out thousands of dollars to go to school for 
Absolutely. And it's funny when you see, so uh, my creative partner who I recorded and produced and, and wrote the most recent album with, his name is Sadowick, mm-hmm. and um, he has a channel. So it's been interesting because I, I mean, I used to go to tutorial channels, but I didn't really know anyone that was a YouTuber that did that. And that's what he does. And it's interesting because there's all these schools that teach what he teaches. He teaches mostly Ableton. Do you know Ableton at yes. all? So that's his main thing. He's like the main Ableton tutorial person online in, in, to the point where Ableton actually like trains their new employees with his videos oh, and wow. sends, they send, when people call for help, they send them to his channel. But he's teaching stuff that you can take a course and it costs you like, you know, 10 grand a month or you can just watch his channel there's a thousand videos there and you can teach yourself from scratch how to use Ableton and all the accompanying things and yeah so it's interesting that and I think that goes across the board not that a formal education isn't worthwhile I mean it's a different thing you meet people that way but yeah it's a, it's a, it, there is a democratization of, of information right now that's pretty exciting but there's mm-hmm. there's also always a downside but it's great anyway I'm, I'm grateful to be here on your podcast I went and listened to some of your back catalog, and you've got some great stuff on there. So, well, thank you. I'm going to be a new fan of your podcast. Well, thank you very much. Not just because you had me on there. <laughs> and I'm very glad that through this venture that we were able to meet. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah, how right. these sort of doors open up, right? Absolutely. And so if, if I were to come through the Kamloops, would you come out to my show? absolutely i would great well i hope i hope you do because well i think we'll i'm pretty sure i'll be playing camlets we're going to be doing a lot of touring we've got first tour is probably going to be in april with the album coming out in early april and then do going to do across canada we're going up north we're going out to the east coast i've never been to the east coast before so i'm excited about that hopefully some touring in quebec too because well i'm half my mom's from quebec and i've not really been out there so it'll be interesting. I'm just like brushing up on my French. My French is quite rusty, but it was actually my first language. And then we're going to be going out uh, in the fall. We're jumping across over to Europe. Jumping. We're just going to take a big, gigantic jump with the help of an airline. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. One of my favorite parts of the job is you get to go places and play for people all over. Yeah, it sounds like you have quite the itinerary ahead of you here in 2019. So, I mean... I there's no reason not to be excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny cuz I've been off the road for a little while and this happens to me every time. This has been a bit longer of a break, but I always am just so excited to get back on the road and inevitably about week 3 of being on the road, I'm just being like, "Oh, I'm so wanting to go home now." But then I get over that. But yeah, it's it's, it's such a funny kind of existence because when you're home, you, you just dream about the road. And then when you're on the road, you do tend to dream about home. But I enjoy both. But there's always this kind of, oh, when I'm on the road, it's going to be so great. And then, oh, when I'm home, you know, I'm going to, you know, do this, that, and the other. So I guess that's, that's life. It's very hard to balance, especially when the uh, music industry tends to go through cycles. It does. Yeah, no, that's one of the challenges of this, actually. And it's funny because I've, you know, I've been working with, I've got a team on board and one of the people I'm working with is, you know, helping me with a bunch of, you know, writing that I'm doing. And, and he was saying something about how I took a hiatus. And I was like, well, I haven't actually done a hiatus. I've been working this whole time. I've just been doing the incubatory stuff. Because, you know, if you're always out, out, out as, as a 
you know, a performer, as a creator, you don't have that time to reflect and the time to mm-hmm. to create. And so that's what I've been doing. I mean, I've, I've been writing and recording a ton since I've been, like, sort of not on the road and less engaging. I guess I did sort of take a conscious step back from the industry mm-hmm. that side of things because it is a little stressful. Like, my, my primary being is not a business person and yeah. not that's not where I come from. I know some people are passionate about business. I'm not. In order to make a living as a musician and as a writer, you have to kind of be a business person. And it's tough. It's not, it's, that's hard. And maybe that's why I'm not rolling in dollars right now, because it's never been my focus. But I'm learning to just accept that that is part of it. And it's been great this time around. I do have a pretty nice team that I'm working with. So uh, I can delegate and not necessarily going to be easier, but it's going to, I feel like my energies can be focused more and where I'm, where I'm better, which is like in the performance and, and that realm. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll try to talk in a while. I'll tell you, well, six months or a year. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's part of the process that a lot of people don't really expect is that at some point you have to realize that you are branding yourself. You are pushing yourself as an image yeah. and everything else. And a lot of people maybe aren't ready to step into yeah. the business aspects of the business yet when yeah, they're tough. primarily artists. It's really tough, and, and I don't I, – I, well, I think some people take to it much more easily than others, and I'm thinking out there in the world – I mean, some people start as they want fame or they want, they want money, and then how can I get it, and they're looking for that. And, I mean, I hear because uh, when I'm talking to kids in, like, high school or elementary school, and, and a lot of people's goal is, like, I want to be famous. And it's funny because – that's kind of putting the cart before the horse, but for some people it works. I mean, look at look at a lot of the heroes, the quote unquote heroes, like you know, someone like Kylie Jenner, or I don't know, I'm, I'm she just is the first person that comes up. You know, people that are just famous for being famous, and and that is kind of one of the ways of the world right now. I don't know how much that has to do with art. I think I'm off on a tangent. I'm like, where did I start? Um, no, I think it's just dealing with that aspect of things is challenging, but it's it is a privilege, I think, in a way. I will say, I mean, I work super hard at what I do, but I still feel privileged to be able to make art and have it heard and have a be able to do this as my main thing. Mm-hmm. And I have made a lot of sacrifices, and, you know, it's a different kind of life than maybe some people would want. So I don't, again, when I say privilege, I don't mean like I'm sitting here like a princess. However, it's still just a wonderful thing. But I think if if any of your listeners are listening and contemplating taking on a career in the arts, um, just you kind of have to prepare yourself for Mm -hmm. things that you might not want to do, but that that are essential. And I think, but that goes for any career. So it's really not that different, I guess. It's just the whole security aspect is probably the one that's the most challenging piece, I think, which is especially now in a way. And I'm not a music historian, but I, you know, know a little bit about, you know, the history and things have always been challenging for artists. And I wouldn't say that they're necessarily that much more challenging now, but they are different. And, you know, for a period of time, people could make money selling albums and that is pretty much gone. And so just the revenue streams are, you know, you have to figure it out and it's not easy because they're just shrinking. It's a shrinking pool, shrinking, 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 but it isn't shrinking for certain types and um, kind of like 
I was just talking about this with someone like a couple of days ago, just how the same thing that's happening in the world is happening in the music industry, which is that the wealth is being concentrated in fewer and fewer people. Fewer and fewer, and fewer hands have the wealth in them. Mm-hmm. The huge stars that have like 90% of everything and then everyone else is kind of eking out an existence with the remaining 10. It's like that with Spotify now, right? You know, you have to have millions and millions of plays to make any money at all. So anyway, it's interesting. It's an interesting time trying to figure out how to make a living. (laughs) That's why people should go out to shows, go to shows and support artists Mm -hmm. in person because that's probably the best way right now. Well, and that's something that's really hard to contend with as well is it seems that a lot of people are, well, right now the music scene seems to be going through a little bit more of a resurgence, but about 10 years ago, when a lot of like streaming services and other things started to hit the market, yeah, the live market really took a hit, and musicians could not just survive off of record deals and album sales, especially when record labels like larger ones are trying to get into your merchandising and trying yeah. to get into your actual touring cuts and everything else yeah. that's involved with it. <laughs> 360 deals, yeah. I don't know what's happening there. I mean, I think the whole record label dream, record like record labels still have a role. They absolutely do. More and more, it's like unless, I mean, I again, I'm not an expert in this, and I, you know, and I feel like I've kind of dropped out of even thinking about this for about three years. So my information's a little stale. Although some more stuff about streaming, I'm kind of learning more about, but um, like the current state of streaming. But with record labels, yeah, I mean, they they definitely. The thing is that most artists at a certain point in their career are going to need a team, whether it's a label or it's people that you hire on individually. And labels still do a pretty good job at certain types of artists, but I think, like, for me, I am i don't fit into a category very easily and because I'm just... My creativity is not bound to one specific genre that's easily, you know, marketable. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always worked better to be very independent and I've never really even tried to approach record labels. I've had a couple of labels come and be interested in me and at some point I I might, you know, go that route, but for me it's it's just not that you know you can't it's hard to become famous without a record label because mm-hmm. they have they have avenues of you know channels that you know you just don't have access to when you're independent. But for me, I don't really have no interest in fame per se. I have interest in connecting with people through music and sharing what I do and then making a living. And if I can make a living mm-hmm. doing it, I I feel successful. I mean, and I have been, although I'd like to make a little more, but you know, I've been, I've been doing it. Like I, I feel like I've, I've, I'm achieving and I have achieved a lot of my goals, but yeah, the, the label thing is an interesting one. I, I think a lot of people now though are, you know, the, the new model is to build up your own thing. And then once things are happening, people will approach you mm-hmm. and uh, trying to approach like almost any industry when you don't have any track record is setting yourself up for either being taken advantage of and or just just complete flat out rejection because there just isn't there hasn't been for quite some time, you know, a whole lot of money for development. So you have to develop yourself, and that's what people do now. And it's it's a lot of work. But there's never been more avenues for doing it, like mm-hmm. YouTube and 
all these things. It is the opportunity to build a little bit of a track record and get some of a following is definitely more existent. It's just that like there's less will for risk to go in on someone who completely has no idea what they're doing or is completely fresh and has absolutely no following. Yeah, and there's just also I think my observation has been, because I put out my first record a little over 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and what I've seen is that, and I've even noticed this in my own like listening habits, that music is so ubiquitous, it's so everywhere, it's so easily accessible for free, that there has been this kind of loss of value in a weird way to music. It's like not quite as special. There's also so many ways of entertaining and engaging with media now that I think that it is, I'm going to say I think it's harder to actually be heard now, Hmm. even though there's all these avenues to get your stuff out, to get any kind of uh, connection with people is maybe a little harder. And I don't know, I'd, I wish it'd be so interesting to hear that from, you know, some of your listeners and hear what, what their experiences. I don't know what your fan base is, but mm-hmm. are they musicians? Maybe some of them are. I'd be curious to know what people think. It does seem to me that it is just more challenging because people, you know, you don't, people just hear a song on a playlist mm-hmm. and they may or may not even go and see who it is, right? So that's the situation. You know, if you're, if, when, when you're, an artist and it's what you do and it's your lifeblood these things happen and these waves come and go and you'll do it like in the words of one of my heroes from way back Gillian Welsh she wrote a song quite a long time ago and it was called everything is free and it was before things had really gone as far as they have I mean I think this was from the early 2000s she's you know in the lyrics of her song she said um, everything is free now that's what they say Everything I've ever done, going to give it away. Someone hit hit the big score. They figured it out that we're going to do it anyway, even if it doesn't pay. And then the whole song is about how she she gets a tip job and she's working down at the bar and whatever. And that's the that's the reality for, for a lot of artists is, yeah, we're going to do it even if it doesn't pay. Mm-hmm. But there's some something that's kind of sad about that too. Anyway, I don't want to be too down about it all. But yeah, uh, support your artists if you like them because... It's it you know doing it full time is different than doing it when having another you know all mm-hmm. these other demands on your time, but you know it's also like I said it's a privilege and mm-hmm. and no one owes owes anyone anything really. But yeah. at the same time, if you love if if you love an artist, don't take it for granted that they're always going to just make it and no matter what, even if it's like donating to one of their crowdfunding campaigns or like you know their Patreon or going to their shows. Um, so anyway, I don't know how I don't know how we got so deep into this, but it's an interesting topic. Maybe it is. I wonder if anyone else is interested in this other than musicians. It's hard because there's so many other things going on that are occupying people's attention, and some mm-hmm. people would argue that attention spans are smaller now. I necessarily wouldn't yeah. say that. I just think that there's more going on that's being thrown in front of them all yeah. the time. I agree. There's it's just. Your attention is split. It's not that you have less of it. It's just taken up by a lot more. And it's uh, a lot of artists seem to be turning to singles as a method to like try and build hype rather than going for an album first, where rather than releasing one single and going to an album, they'll release two to four singles before they release yeah. an album. 
and they'll try and get like the play count high already off of that just so that they can already like oh here's this hype and everything else and yeah i know it's kind of exhausting it is the way things are currently and i'm grateful that i'm not having to do it all alone because i probably Mm -hmm. i don't know what i would do (laughs) having a team is also very beneficial because Mm -hmm. Like we've mentioned earlier, is sometimes you're strong in certain categories, and sometimes maybe you're not so strong in knowing how to word specific things that you're putting out to the media or on your mm-hmm. social media, or else whether it comes to advertising or anything else. Like some people are better equipped to do that. It gives you more time to focus on the art. Yeah, and it's also about, like, the connections that people have. So, for example, one of my team is out on the East Coast. One of them's in Toronto. And then I've got some people in, out here on the West Coast. And, it, you know, everyone, <clears throat> each person has their community and their, their sphere of, of influence and their expertise. And it took, me, it took me a while. This was the first time that I've had a team like this. Mm-hmm. And I put it together with the help of a friend who's, like, a really – amazing manager she's not my manager but I've known her for years and she stepped in and helped me to build the team and I'm just so grateful for that but yeah this is the first time I've done this so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the results are Um, um, I mean I've worked with you know one or two people kind of thing on an Mm -hmm. album release this time I've got like I don't know six or seven so yeah it'll be interesting to see and I'm, I'm just really more than that though I'm excited to connect with people through the music and get out there and play. I've actually taken almost a whole year off of performing. I was writing and recording, but I have not performed. So that's the longest I've gone without performing probably since I started playing music. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of intentional because I wanted to see, I wanted to test myself and see if it really was an essential part of my life and who I am because I've been living out on Galliano Island and, you know, there's not a whole lot of places to perform. And I was like, could I just live here and create a life where maybe I become, you know, a songwriter and I write for other people or I do other things like, you know, movie soundtracks. Like, would I be okay with that? And I thought I would only know if I gave myself kind of an extended time. Mm -hmm. And about halfway through the year, I mean, there were a lot of things that happened this year that contributed to this, but I think this is part of it. I started to get depressed. And anyway, through going through everything, I realized that, no, you know what, one of the parts of my, my who I am and what I feel is my sort of purpose uh, as, as a human being on this in this time on this planet right now is to connect with people and to share what I do in live, you know, not just you know, having YouTube channel or, or just all the other ways you could make art and not be in the presence of people alive. So that, so that's kind of why I did it. So I'm excited to do that because it's this whole part of me that I've just been not expressing. But on the plus side, I think that it did add a lot to my writing and, and the recording process and just other areas of my life that I might have neglected otherwise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been cool. I've also had a, a number of like this for the first time I've took on some students, uh, some kids, because a bunch of parents on the island were like, can you teach my kid? Can you teach my kid? And I was like, okay, sure. So I've got these amazing students that, again, I haven't spent a lot of time with kids in my life because I was the youngest in my family, and then I just got 
into music and I was always in an adult world. And man, I'm just blown away by these kids. They're so creative and they're so funny. My youngest student is six and I've been teaching him since he was just five. And he plays banjo and he sings and he's like super avant-garde. It's so interesting. Like his, his main passion is to just improvise and do really, really unusual cool stuff and I'm just like god like this creativity it's just it starts so young Mm -hmm. and anyway so my mind has been blown by these kids and so that's been a real privilege as well is to be able to hang out with people's kids and like experience their wonder and their openness and their the way that their minds are not kind of confined by what they've already figured out is possible Mm -hmm. so they have the sense of like a lot more is possible when when you're a kid you haven't been kind of shut down so much so, yeah, if you're going to write a song about a, you know, oh, I actually, we won't even go. Just the stuff they write about is so hilarious, and I actually want to make an album of it because I think people would get a real kick out of it. I I can only imagine the songs that would end up being created out of these sessions that would end up on that album. And, I mean, we are having a great conversation about creativity and passion and chasing dreams and we are eventually going to get around to talking a little bit about your upcoming album beach fires but i mean before we get there we're going to take a little bit of a break here we're going to be playing another one of t-nile's songs for the listeners here at the dtp of course the track we're going to be playing for you next is going to be coming off of T Nile's 2014 album, Tingle and Sparkle. But before we go ahead and get the Jungle Jukebox rocking and rolling, I want to go ahead and ask you guys a question. Are you headed on over to the Desert Tiger social media pages yet? That being our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter? Have you gone ahead and picked yourself up a killer Desert Tiger t shirt? What? What? What is that? No? Some of you maybe even not be subscribed to the show. My goodness, there are ways to fix that. First off, go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever service you are listening to from right now. Second step, head on over to our Facebook, our Twitter, or our Instagram because that is the best way to get in touch with me, Colton G, and possibly pick up some merch to support the show. Even if you just want to do the free support, subscribe to the show, share the episodes, and help us grow that way. All of it is loved. All of it is appreciated. And like I said earlier, you guys literally don't know how much sharing the episodes helps the show and to those of you that go ahead and buy t-shirts you guys know that you get a handwritten personal note from moi and of course if you want to go ahead and maybe skip that and get a phone call you can throw your phone number in with the message for the order if you want both heck I'll go ahead and do both with your order of t-shirt of course you're gonna get a couple other goodies thrown in there as well you know some stickers maybe some CDs from past guests maybe my past band almost daily and whatever I have kicking around we're also looking into pins we're looking into hats we are looking into literally let me check this book right here let me check the book the book has all the information we're looking into pins, we're looking into buttons, we're looking into guitar picks, more stickers, wristbands, and hats, all sorts of stuff, you guys. We're going to be kicking up the store a notch real soon for you all so you can rep Tiger in style. 
Okay, let's get this jungle jukebox a rockin' and a rollin' And this song is called Runnin' Desert Tiger Podcast. So, so what? What were you hoping to find out about all this? Are you yourself? Like, what? What drives you to want to interview people? And I know I'm not interviewing you, but I'm just curious. Seeing as we're chatting, I want to turn. I want to turn the mic back to you and say, Hey, what do you get out of doing what you're doing right now? Well, it's it's like as someone who has felt depression and everything else. When I sat there and was sitting through the injury and was like, how can I still be creative and how can I help other people still be creative? It was, ah, I am, woo, 
tingles. <laughs> I felt that, yeah. <laughs> it's the opportunity to share people's passions and motivations and dreams and to actually show that no matter where these individuals come from and no matter what their actual end goal is or no matter what their creative form is, because as someone who's listened to the show, I'm sure you know that we cover a whole variance of different artists and like people. So it's yeah. like I'm just trying to encourage anybody that maybe could hear that and realize, wow, if this person had all these things going on and can they still were willing to pursue this and maybe also give someone like a different perspective or mindset as well, because we were just saying like with you teaching youth, they're very open because maybe yet they haven't had that feeling of where they've hit the expectation of the rest of the real world and they haven't yeah. started to cap their creativity. So mm -hmm. I'm also exactly. trying I'm also trying to reintroduce that idea to people and like the introducing them to like these are people who mm -hmm. have stepped away from that and who have started to try and like instill the faith in themselves and who are actually pursuing the things that they love. Mhm. Mm and that what a noble cause because we all need you know no matter whether you're involved in finance or science or uh, you know you work you know in a mall it doesn't matter like we all as human beings are creative mm -hmm. and we have the capacity for creativity in various ways and in various forms and i think that you know in way in a way now more than ever um Again, I can only speak from what I've witnessed in my own life, but it seems like there's a lot of different forces at play right now. And people often feel, I think, sort of like they have no recourse, not recourse, but just disengaged, disengaged. Mm -hmm. Because while there's all these amazing methods of connection and expression and a platform, there's also this haze of futility about it because it seems like that there's there's much bigger forces and there's this huge money and there's you know politicians that lie and all these things right and then all climate change and all these disasters that are going to come and affect us and that are affecting us now and anyway so it can just feel like you just want to check out and i think a lot of people are che are checked out but right now we need to be not checked out mm -hmm. <laughs> more than ever. We need to kind of engage with each other and just, you know, talk because I think things are not hopeless, but we need to stay awake, you know? Yeah. So I think I would like to be on the side of, of waking up people rather than putting them to sleep. Mind you, we all need to sleep as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like on a level of, you know, just like what you're saying, because creativity is basically life. Right. If you think about it, like the the first, you know, it's like that is the the energy of life, and 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 hey, and and destruction is part of that too. Because if we didn't have destruction, everything would just, you know, we wouldn't have room for anything. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's that that ebb and flow. But the but the sense of limit that we end up both self-imposing and having kind of put on us in various ways through our lives, we can shake those off. And I think your podcast of featuring different types of creatives and, and by the way I really relate to that and I'll tell you after why but the fact that you're doing that I can totally see how that would be an antidote to feeling maybe bummed out about 
you know, your injury or, or, you know, you move to a new place. And, yeah, you know, you're sharing a gift by giving an, an opportunity for long-form discussion with creative people and sort of showing them to the world, to your audience, in the whole of their being. But I was going to say, you know, I used to host an event when I was first starting out where I would, it was a monthly kind of cabaret event where it was at this old club in Vancouver and I called it Connect, and I would I would book people from all different sort of performance backgrounds. So there was like spoken word, sketch comedy, burlesque, music from all different backgrounds, and sometimes even like you know storytellers. And it was it was always it was music focused, but we had we would always have like you know like maybe two bands and and a sketch comedy troupe or two bands and a, and a dancer. And anyway, it was amazing. It was one of the most amazing times of my life because I got to meet so many interesting people and, and all the different audiences would get to see each other's. And I would try to pick quite diverse, you know, like from, you know, diff- very different sounding and different kind of energetically, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just different different types of acts. And so the audiences would be really different and then they'd all intermingle and it was just great. It was such a cool event I met so many bands that, you know, aren't, some of them are huge now that played there, you know, some of their first gigs. And anyway, it was a lot of fun. And uh, one day, if I do choose to settle down at some point, I have a dream to kind of host, you know, touring musicians in a house concert setting because I played so many and those are also wonderful. The energy yeah. you can get in a house setting is so much different than the environment that you can get in a club or a oh, yeah. or something else. It's it's wonderful. I'm hopefully, well, I'm getting involved with this, this house concert series that was put together by Dan Mangan. Yes. I think it's called Side Door. Anyway, um, but he's one of many different um, sort of people that are that are helping to build the house concert network in in Canada. And also, well, I've done house concerts in Europe and the States as well. Um, but yeah, they're wonderful. And I used to kind of dismiss them before I'd done them. I thought, oh, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know what I thought. I just didn't think they were going to be that cool. But they are so cool because you actually end up, It's I think it's at the root of like how we as human beings have been experiencing music from the beginning, right? Because it's like around the fire almost, you know? It's Mm -hmm. like a smaller group of people. It's not usually more than like 50 people, max 50. And a lot of times food is involved. You have food and music. It's in someone's house. You know, you, I, I use a bit of amplification because I use, you know, I play like a mix of electronic and acoustic, but I have done simply acoustic also, which mm-hmm. is really amazing where there's not even any, any amplification. And, you know, you're, it's just you and you're basically singing and performing and, and within line of sight, like everybody that's there, you can see them and they can see you. And then after, you know, you can chat with people and meet everyone in the room because there's not that many people. And it's a really special way to do things. And I'm grateful now that that's kind of uh, one of the, out of all the sort of performance modes now that's one that's really still growing because i think a lot of clubs are closing down and because again people like to stay home and watch their whatever they're watching whether it's amazon prime netflix or you know everyone you know this this whole thing we were talking about before with there's so many ways of entertaining that music is less valuable in a way 
or perceived as less valuable. Yeah. So yeah, house concerts are great, and I'm really, I'm definitely going to be booking some house concerts for for this next round of touring. And the other thing is that people are okay with paying like, you know, fifteen twenty bucks for a ticket. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times they will buy some of your merch or buy a CD or album or vinyl, whatever, because they're right there and they see and they want to support you. And the focus is not drinking, whereas a lot of clubs, it's all about selling alcohol, essentially. So it's not necessarily about the music. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite ways. Festivals, small theaters, house concerts, that kind of stuff. That's That's my jam. I love it. And yeah, I mean, clubs are fun. I mean, if when I've done, you know, dance music and stuff like that, and it's a whole other thing, like getting an audience going and dance, a lot of fun as well. But where I'm at right now, I'm more into the sort of listening scene. But my, my collaborator, um, Sadowick, was like a dance DJ um, in the trance mm-hmm. scene, and so he comes from that background. So it'll be interesting. We're, we're, doing, we're doing a live setup together. Oh, nice. And I think I have a feeling we're going to have several different performance kind of setups one is with my full band which is a five-member band and then i have a trio and then i have the duo and right now i'm doing the duo with him and then i want to do one for like the you know the house concert set the and then the club set and i definitely want to do something because of the way our music is i want to do some shows that are because we do we basically do a mix of live and electronic and our thing is that we've been really we'll do live improv with electronic and live which i don't think a lot of people do and so i want to do a set that's like that we're, we're going to be um potentially playing at some electronic festivals so i'm looking into uh having a set that's kind of uh improvisational and sort of almost like live remixing but with live performance and singing rather than samples on the singing end anyway it's going to be cool um there's just so, there's a lot going on as i said i tend to be a bit ambitious that but sounds... it's exciting yeah Sounds oh man! So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's truly. I every day I'm excited to get out of bed, but I wasn't. You know, when I didn't have all the goals that that I have now and the, everything mm-hmm. going on, um, I, I I was a lot less excited to get out of bed. Let's just say, and yeah, I've this been a hard year. Um, you know, someone close to me was very sick, and some things happened this year. That so, like I said, that the depression wasn't only about not performing. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of things, but um, coming out of it, it's. Uh, Life is definitely worth living. So normally, sometimes it is a collection of things, and it's sometimes it takes a while to see the other side of things and the beauty that you can create out of those situations. Very much so. Yeah, you know, without as we were talking before, maybe this is a theme that comes through our whole conversation, which is that there's going to be dark and light, and they kind of exist together and. So as difficult as those times are, they're also just very much a part of life and a part of being creative and and, and just living. You know, I think there's a saying that, oh my goodness, I don't remember where this is from. I'm going to quote without remembering, but it's something to do that, uh, something about how only those that know how to bear the challenges and be grateful. Oh, I, you know what? I'm not going to botch this. I'm going to just try to explain what I mean because I'm going to botch the quote. But it's just that, you know, in life we are given varying degrees of very, very difficult things, and that is just 
the base level of life. Like we don't, you don't get to live without having those really hard times. And some people have much harder times than others. And the one thing, one of the things that we get to add to that is how we interpret it. And sometimes even that is taken away from us because with mental health, sometimes you don't necessarily, you, you can lose the ability to choose. And that's something that happened to me this year for the first time. I went through a period where I was so depressed that I actually, because in the past I've kind of been, in quotation marks, depressed, and I could kind of positive think and, you know, work out more and drink more water and just kind of pull myself out of it. Mm-hmm. But this time I actually needed help. I, I went into a state where I was not, I was truly, you know, I, I understood what mental illness meant because it's like, you know, if you're, you can't, you can't fix the problem with the thing that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And so it was it really was very humbling actually because I, I'm thinking, have you seen the show Mr. Robot? I have not. Well, I, I hesitate to recommend it because we all should be doing more interesting things than watching TV, but at the same time, damn, it's an interesting show. I just kind of, I've been binge watching it lately. But in the show, it stars someone who has some mental health challenges Mm -hmm. and it's so fascinating because on so many occasions he thinks that he's experiencing something but it's his mind kind of creating it and um and it's exaggerated and it's totally made it's a hollywood thing right not hollywood but it's 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 dramatized it's um accentuated however it does kind of represent something that i think a lot of people will kind of relate to and that, that whole idea that you know, sometimes, yeah, the mind does go into places where you do need help. And this this year was that for me, and I'm grateful, again, that I did, you know, some people came out of the woodwork, and I did see, you know, someone professionally. Through a series of things, I was kind of brought out of that place. But when I was in that place, it was really dark, and I couldn't think my way out of it. I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't interpret things, so I just derailed my own point. My point was that we have we have a choice in how we interpret things. Mm-hmm. I do think we do, but I think that that has its, its own limit, which is sometimes you do go into a place where, yeah, you don't ha- you don't have that. It can get really really deep sometimes, and I fully one hundred percent understand and have been through that myself. Well, I think it's part of the creative state, and again, that's why we need community. Mm-hmm. Community is so important. I think that's one of the things, and you can build online community. Undeniably, you can, okay? However, there's no substitute for face-to-face contact. You just have to do it. <laughs> you just have to force yourself. Mm-hmm. Get out there. Be around people and try to reach out And because, you know, we're designed that way. We, we evolved to be around each other, and there's all these subtle ways that we influence and feed each other on, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I don't, and I don't know if this, it's like this with men, but for women, apparently, women, when they're all together, just women, they emit a hormone that makes them feel good. I'm thinking if if it's the case with women, I bet you it's just the case with people in general, that we all emit some different types of pheromones and different things that, like, we kind of need. It's almost like food, like, literally, if we're not in the presence of others, there's even if our mind is engaged, our imagination is engaged, all these things, on we are physical beings. We still need to be in physical space. I don't know. 
I feel like I'm like getting so passionate about this, but I just I'm, I guess I'm I'm calling myself out as well because I think all of us again we can get our needs met in so many ways just completely alone. We can just live our lives like with our headphones on and staring at a screen and and feel and you know online shopping and everything like you can have everything delivered to your door. And I mean that's not that's not how I am all the time, but I do notice that I I like everyone else we're just more and more isolated. I mean, can I say that it, that's everyone else? I feel like I can say that right now. I feel like I feel that's like just it. happening. I think it's happening. And my grandmother about five years ago passed away. She was 94. And one of the last, the last conversation I had with her, actually, not one of the, the last conversation I had with her in person, she said, she said, I feel so sorry for today's youth because they're so isolated by all their technology. And, you know, this is a woman that has lived through so much. That gave me goosebumps saying that because I'm thinking, you know, she really had a perspective that is, uh, you know, not around as much anymore, which is the perspective of, again, and I'm not villainizing technology, but but it does have an impact, right? Uh, it does. And it's anyway. not to villainize it at all. It's is saying is those experiences are no longer being achieved in some forms where it's... yeah. You aren't maybe, like, kids aren't maybe hanging out in the playground as much as they were, and maybe, like, when they grow up, they won't have as many of those in-person experiences. Yeah, I mean, and it, it depends on the community that people live in. I mean, here on Galliano Island, where, where I live, and um, I grew up partly here. I was gone for a long time, and then I moved back about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I do see how, you know, parents raise their kids with a little more awareness about that here. It's kind of a more, um, it's it's a community that's more kind of engaged in that way. And uh, I'm so, I'm so grateful to see all these little kids that are, that are out there playing and doing music and doing art and reading like my two students. It's interesting because their dad works for Stripe and he used to work for Twitter so he commutes and does on like uh, also he works like from far. So he works in total high tech, right? Like mm-hmm. 100%, right? But his kids, there's not a TV around and they read and play music. And so and they and they're they've got ducks and a dog and three cats and sheep. They've got a little farm and they're kids that are growing up on a farm, but their dad is working for Twitter. And I feel like, you know, he understands the need for that in living in their kind of, I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And so two of my students, that's them, and they're, they're so such remarkable kids. And, you know, again, I'm not around that many children. I don't know how parents are raising them. But it does seem, you know, when you go into the city and you just see, you see that everyone's kind of got their nose in, in, in something. They're not looking at each other. They're... You know, you walk down the street and not a single person will look up. Depends on the city. I find Montreal is, is a mu- much more engaging city, actually, than Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But um, it's an interesting thing. But you, you live sort of in a, a, a smaller town. So how do you find out it out there? Are people a little more connecting with each other? or A little or bit more. It's like we're not quite small townish where it's like, a lot of the perception in Kamloops itself is that it's big enough that people feel like, oh, we're still a city, and they seem to have, like, some form of, like, ego attached to that. I don't necessarily want yeah. to use that word, but it's the only one yeah. that I can pull right now. Yeah, And that's it's good. just it, is it's, 
like sometimes you will notice that some people are a little bit more heads down and walking around and just and it's something that we said something earlier where like people are sinking out of society and it's like i also feel that some people are sinking out of themselves oh absolutely that is where it all begins is we're we're based that's so well put you need to write a song about that. That needs to be a song. That's that's so true. It's not just out of society. It's out of themselves. We're just disconnecting mm-hmm. from... We're, it's, it's almost like a numbing process, like oh. anesthetic, anesthetic across the board. And it's no, it's no wonder that fentanyl and opioids are such a mass problem right now, mm. because what is that other than an anesthetic? That's what fentanyl is. Well, and it's, it is. It's an easy way of trying to escape the monotony of going to work coming home making supper and watching tv which a lot of people unfortunately seem to get stuck in and you have to kind of if you don't want to go that route you actually have to make a concerted effort because that's how society well i mean you're raising kids so it's often you're taking care of your kids and all that stuff too later on in your life but i mean yeah it just everything is just so it's almost like I don't know it's on the tip of my tongue but it it seems like there's a kind of we have become too good as a society in catering to our impulses and our needs and we don't really underneath it all we've lost touch with what actually makes us for a satisfying life and for, like, not even satisfying, like, a meaningful, like, what truly makes one happy, and it's not actually the things that in the moment satisfy us. It's more about challenging oneself and connecting with others. You know, these things that are take more effort and in the moment can cause anxiety or be a little uncomfortable or, you know, but that's what actually creates a meaningful life well-lived. And I think there's just so many ways to just, it's like junk food for the spirit. It's just so much junk food everywhere. And to actually have a good meal, is you have to make a concerted effort. I'm metaphorically speaking. A good meal of a life. If you want a really wholesome, nutritious meal of a life, you got to make an effort. <laughs> it's true. It's just like eating properly if you're trying to get a diet set out. Is It's difficult to stick to that and to keep with it. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And there's a lot of people doing, this is here to kind of cap off this with a positive thing, is that the same avenues that could anesthetize you into this kind of junk food life, they can also connect you to a community of people doing amazing things in the real world. There's both options right there, 100%. And, you know, and if you don't have a whole lot of self-discipline, that's a muscle you can use. You can develop it. Everything that's difficult to you now can become second nature to you over time. So if you can envision, and there's so many, there's so many great, inspiring people doing amazing things. So, you know, I feel like I'm like saying, hey, kid, you can do it. But, I mean, I'm kind of saying that to myself. And, you know, it's also just we all have the opportunity to, to pick our, our, our sort of role models and learn from those who are living the way that we want to live. And so, yeah, there's, it's just, we have, it's, it, there's a name for it, and I'm not remembering it right now. Well, have you ever heard the term affluenza? 
Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, but it's something else. It's almost like like too much choice, too many opportunities. And again, you know, we're very much speaking to, a, you know, a small portion of the world right now because there's a lot of people that are still, you know, trying to just get water to drink and, and a shelter. Like if we're thinking of the world population, that's not everybody. Yes. But in the sort of developed world and in the particular, you know, reality, which is our reality, we have a lot of choices and we have a lot of opportunities. And really, at the end of the day, I'm saying this as much to myself as to anyone else, you know, make good choices and make it matter because it's just one, you get one shot at, at life, right? It's just is it, right? So what, what is it that, you know, are you, are, you, are you satisfied with just being entertained or do you want more than that? Do you want to have, and like what you're doing, see, you are an example of someone that is actually choosing to be a creative force rather than just a consuming force. Well, and same can go for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Although I, every day it's a challenge. Every day you make those choices. Oh, absolutely. And every day you could, you couldn't, you, you know, it's, 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 it's not like you make the decision one day and then it's forever. It's kind of like you brought the diet reference, or maybe I did, but we talked about it. It's like if you want to be fit and healthy, you don't make that, you don't just one day eat a healthy meal. Every day you need to make that choice. Every day you need to go out and walk and do your weights or whatever it is that you do for fitness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, it's an ongoing thing. It's for the rest of your life. So I think it goes the same way with being engaged and kind of living a meaningful life, being creative. You, you just, every day you have an opportunity. And some days you do just say, F it, I'm just going to not, I'm turning my back on this right now. I need to zone out. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not about that one day. It's about what you do overall. Yes. It's the 80-20 rule in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do 80% of the time? Or whatever. You know mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Well, it's, you have to be anyway. giving and forgiving to yourself because, yeah. really, it's like the three people that you need to care about are your past self, your present self, and your future self. Yeah. So, like, you're doing it for your future self, and your future self is going to appreciate your past self for putting in those efforts. Probably we probably came to a good spot to kind of bring it together. But I, I, can I ask your can I ask your listeners one thing? Yes, you absolutely can. So what I'm wondering is if people if if this conversation interests you and if you'd like to connect to send a hello somehow and say hey you know because I'd like to know I'm just curious if anyone else is interested in this and mm-hmm. I'm easily reachable via you know. Email, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, lots of ways to get in touch. Maybe you could, whatever, I don't know if you could put links in the description. Can you do that? Yeah, I can definitely put some links in the show notes, and I'll put it on most of my social media. Yeah, Um, and I just, I also, yeah, no, that's wonderful. I'd also like if anyone's interested in hosting a house concert, (laughs) and they've done, if they have, you know, that that would be cool or if i don't know again i don't know where your listeners are but if you'd be interested in or if you have a favorite venue in your area that you'd be like i would love to see you know you perform there um i'd like to know because we're just booking a tour now and uh it's been a year and a half since i've been out on the road and i haven't really done a full cross canada tour probably since 
uh, my last record came out. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while, and you know things change. So I'd love to know where people are excited about going. And yeah, and just just reach out and say hello um, if you're interested. I would love to connect with people. And it's been really really great to chat with you. And I'm glad that I was able to. It was more like a conversation rather than just an interview because no, I prefer definitely. that myself. I like to just chat. We got into a lot of conversations and things got very deep. Like we actually barely even touched on any of your albums. And (laughs) I find that extremely amazing because that like just speaks to the level of conversation. Yeah, well, it's good. I I mean, I, I'm not, I probably could learn to be a better like politician about everything, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have your talking points and you stick to them, but that's just not me. (laughs) So definitely the same way and that's it is like i always use the word interview when i'm getting into things but like it always seems to turn into a conversation with some of the guests because really that's what we're going for is like i want them to feel comfortable yeah no it's really great it's enjoyable and i think that ultimately these are the underpinnings what inspires me to create so if it's resonating with people maybe they'll go check out the music and if not they won't you know but um it's it's pretty cool and and ultimately it's it's much more interesting to go and and talk about ideas than to just try to promote something so um yeah so i really appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll get to meet sometime and uh i can i say hello in person i truly appreciate um, it too and hopefully yeah that definitely can happen hopefully you got a house show planned out here in Kamloops that I can come and sit front row that would be wonderful so yeah we'll, we'll be in touch and uh and I'm gonna let's keep listening to your podcast because it, it's great and good work and keep keep it up because it's uh you're, you're on to something I think thank you thank you very much and keep up the good work with like the music I'm very excited to see the direction of the new album and how your sound evolves it's the new track that you released note to self is it's it's definitely an evolution like tingle and sparkle had a little bit of that electronic feel to it but i'm very excited to see just exactly what direction beach fires takes you in yeah, and Note to Self is not exactly representative of the record, so I'm really curious Ooh. also to see what people think. It's a pretty pretty diverse record, but yeah, it's definitely going sort of, an, it is an evolution from Tingle and Spark. And yeah, if if, if your listeners, you know, want to go check stuff out, um, I am on Spotify, I'm on Apple, I'm on Deezer, SoundCloud, um, you can listen. The new track is not on Bandcamp, but my old albums are my, my my previous albums are they're not old but some of them are and if you want to support you can actually buy the albums on Bandcamp and that goes to me directly so I think Bandcamp as far as like buying but most people don't and I, I understand that most people don't buy records but actually you know I was sort of opposed <laughs> to Spotify for quite some time just because their payment structure is kind of unfair but I've decided to to just give it a chance so I'm I am directing people to listen to stuff on Spotify and check it out see see how things go because um, you never know maybe maybe the streaming thing will work out it d- definitely seems to be a metric that is is counted these days so yeah connect please people if you're interested come and connect because i'd love to do that just know who's out there listening and anyway maybe we can chat some other time maybe down the road sometime 
uh, have another chat. I don't know if you ever have people back. Or maybe we can just chat in person. That would probably be better. I've started to have a few people back. But it's it. Is it. Even if we can get the conversation in person as well. Whatever works out, I'm excited for what the future brings. Likewise. We'll connect again. I definitely agree. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, truly. It was a great conversation. And I hope that you, the listeners here at the Desert Tiger Podcast, feel the exact same way because unfortunately, that is the end of today's episode here with my guest T. Nile, who I want to thank very, very much for joining me here on today's episode. I also want to go ahead and thank you guys, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast, for tuning in to this episode and every other episode you've probably ever tuned into. Those of you who are subscribers, thank you so very much. Those of you who have yet to, I hope that you will consider hitting that follow or subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, listening on CastBox, whatever service you may be using. We hope that you are loving your experience here on the Desert Tiger Podcast while you listen. Next week here on the show, we are going to be talking to the Juno-nominated Monster Truck. They were recently nominated for their 2018 album, True Rockers, and they're going to be joining me next Thursday to discuss everything about this album. I hope you guys are excited as I am because you don't fuck with the truck.